for tuning in to the 376th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you're be listening, I'll thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual, going to have a great podcast, going to have Ben Karen host the Sports Caller Podcast on, we are going to dive into the last week of the NFL predictions we're gonna get into that uh we're gonna reevaluate the race between me and ben also i'm gonna talk some nfl have some nfl storylines to talk about and some college football storylines and we're gonna preview a little bit of uh, the alabama georgia game that's gonna be going on on monday so a lot of good stuff college football news and storylines nfl news and storylines nfl picks uh bama georgia preview got a lot of stuff to talk about with ben a football heavy centric show but before we get to that Shameless plug. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you have Spotify, you're listening to this on Spotify, I have every segment of the podcast timestamped. This is for your convenience. Click on it and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you'd like to listen to. Again, for your convenience. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Type in Daryl and you can find it. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show Outside the Shop. And follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right? If you don't like the podcast, then don't worry. Just don't say a thing. Because you know what mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And got up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Ben Karen on the show, host of the Sports Club Podcast. Got up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a father, a husband, a sports fanatic, a school psychologist, Texas A&M Aggie, former resident of Vermont, current resident of Arizona, Seahawks fan, a Spurs fan, a... What else do you like, Ben? Aren't you? You're into comic books, right? No, you're into collectibles. Yeah. Collectibles, a, a collectible connoisseur as well. Apparently, a non-meat eater these days. Ben Karen, host of the Sports Caller Podcast. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, Daryl. Wow, what an introduction tonight. That's crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're into many things. You're the man, the myth, the legend, most interesting man in the world, like the Dosakis commercial. Well, I'm starting to get the uh, the gray beard like that guy. Oh, okay, okay. I'm liking that, Ben. So, first thing I have to ask you. Antonio Brown. Now, we were texting back and forth about this, talking about this off the air. We went from Antonio Brown. Well, first of all, let's start with this. Have you ever seen a player do what he did against the New York Jets when he took off his shoulder pads, helmet, and shirt, skipped? and did jumping jacks as the game was going on. Have you ever seen that first? Let's let's start with that. I've never seen it before, no. What was your reaction? Just give us a play-by-play of what you're thinking as you're seeing this. Well, I didn't see it live. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to follow up with all the sports, and, and they're showing it at halftime, you know, one of the, one of the later games. Um, and I'm seeing this, and... You know, I, I wish I could tell you I was surprised. Um, and I probably would have been surprised, Daryl, if there had been anybody else other than Antonio Brown. But because it was Antonio Brown, I was just like, okay, 
this guy's just ratcheting it up another level. But I wasn't really that surprised, to be honest with you. Isn't that a sad statement of events that you're not surprised that he did something so outrageous? I would I would say yes. I mean, he, he's just one of these guys. I mean, it, it's like, I don't think there's anything he could do at this point that would shock me. He could teach character classes. Yeah, well, uh, that would be surprising, although probably not shocking. <laughs> Him and Urban get to be the professors. Uh... And then there's more stories that come out that apparently Bruce Arians tried to play him when he was hurt, fractured ankle. He didn't quit on the team now, he's saying. He was forced to play. They're forcing him on Toradol and all these other painkillers. How much credence do you take into account when you hear all that as opposed to what we saw him do? Well, I think we live in a world where both can be true, potentially. Um, I would say this, though. My first inkling with... with with this guy, it's the it's the same kind of inkling that you might get when you're you're used to dealing with somebody, and, and you know, me coming from the educational background, you know, um, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of you know um, when 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 somebody tells you something, you know, a student tells you something, and then you find out later, well, they didn't tell you the whole story. <laughs> you know, they, they left out some parts um, where, where some bad decisions got made or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, right now, I mean, there's nothing Antonio Brown has done, um, you know, leading up to this incident um, that, that would kind of have me backing and being like, that guy has a good track record for telling, you know, telling people the truth. Um, I think what he said needs to be considered. You know, I think we need to look at the evidence, and, and, and if he has a valid point, you know, take that into consideration, because um, I could see somebody getting upset if that was the case. Um, Not upset enough to take off their, their clothes and, you know, do a dance show. Right, right. Now, I mean, that's the second piece we have to get to. Even, even if Antonio is right, which could be, um, that still doesn't justify uh, doing what he did. You know, you're on the field, well your team is playing while well, there's a live football game going on. Um, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, played an amazing uh, fourth quarter of that football game and found a way to win. Uh, and, and that would be what we'd be talking about today had it not been for Antonio Brown's antics. Uh, and, and he definitely um, went out with a bang. How would you have suggested that he handled the situation? staying on the bench might have been one way to handle the situation uh, or you know if that wasn't an option you know maybe maybe um, you know leaving the field in a more subtle uh, discreet kind of way uh, where you're where you're not taking off your pad and your helmet and uh, your shirt um, and, and you know maybe just do that in the locker room and and do it in a way that's not going to draw immense amounts of attention to yourself. Yeah, and also, in terms of Antonio Brown, you know, lying, I mean, we're also talking about the guy who was just suspended for uh, having a fake vaccination card. So, <laughs> you know... Exactly. That's why I say, you know, he doesn't have confidence in me that, that he's being truthful here. It's like, Antonio Brown would never lie. It's like he would never lie. The guy who uses the fact vaccination card said he would never lie. Well, let's not put it. And Antonio Brown's done crazy, crazy crap for a while now. Uh, do you think he should get another chance at the NFL? No, I mean I, I think he's done, and I, I think not. Not only is he kind of wore out his welcome now with a number of different teams, uh, but you look at the situation here, Daryl. Bruce Arians widely respected as a big players coach, um, a guy a lot of players like to play for, and Antonio couldn't get along with him. Tom Brady, an amazing locker room leader, can't get along with him. Uh, enough is enough. I mean, if these guys couldn't handle having Antonio Brown on their team, 
what team is he going to go to where, where they'd be able to deal with him? Uh, I, I think the antics is not worth the production. And we're also talking right now, Daryl, um, this is not, you know, uh, Antonio Brown in his prime. The man is 33 years old. He's uh, my age. <laughs> Um, and you know when when you reach this age, uh, you you kind of pass your physical prime. You know um, things are winding down. I, I can't think of you know any wide receivers that have played the position that he has uh, that haven't taken a step back by the time they're his age. Uh, you know, and especially with all this talk about injury going on too. You know, I think that's just going to further hurt his chances. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, Larry played different than Antonio, though. Um, Larry was able to be really successful in the slot as well, and I, I, I haven't really seen Antonio have that level of success in the slot. Um, Antonio is more of just, I'm going to take the top off the defense, beat people over the top kind of guy. Ben, have, could you ever see yourself making the decisions that Antonio Brown has made at your age? Would you say the decisions he's made, that's not appropriate for somebody his age? I definitely couldn't see myself making those kind of decisions. Um, you know, I think at some point in time, I know people have alluded to this, and, you know, I don't, don't want to speculate too much here, but uh, to me, I think you got to look at the track record, and you got to just ask yourself, you know, is there something else going on with Antonio Brown? Is there some kind of, kind of problem he's experiencing, you know, that, that he needs some support with? Um, because we're starting to look at a pretty hefty laundry list of, of things that have, he's done that are pretty outlandish, uh, that kind of defy uh, general logic and reason. So, um, you know, that, that along with uh, the number of people that have kind of come out and already said it, uh, you know, makes me, it makes me question if that might not be something that he needs, uh, some, you know, level of support. You know, some people seem to think you may have uh, some kind of uh, psychological issue going on. That's not... I would agree with you. I would actually agree with you. There's probably something going on there and that has been alluded to. Uh, so next I want to get to this. So your favorite quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, right, Ben? Right. <laughs> uh, had a little bit of controversy with somebody in the media who... Uh, said he would not vote for him because he doesn't think he's a particularly a good guy. Aaron called him out, basically said he was a bum. What do you think of all that? Uh, I don't put too much stock into this, actually. I mean, first of all, I don't have a problem with Aaron Rodgers saying what he said, Daryl, and I know that's probably going to surprise you because I'm not usually on Aaron Rodgers' side. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I, I think the whole thing is just, honestly, for entertainment value more, more than those guys being serious. Um, if the member of the Chicago media doesn't want to vote for Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't have to vote for him. I do think that we're looking at a situation right now in the NFL where there are some other guys that are also deserving of, of, of the MVP this year. You know, is Aaron Rodgers the front runner is probably going to win it? Yes, but there are some other guys out there that I think you could make a, a real case for, Daryl. And then, do I think Aaron Rodgers has always been the um, the best locker room guy, the best leader guy? Absolutely not. I think there are other guys on the list, guys like Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, that you could look at and you say, those guys have definitely um, probably had a much more positive impact on the culture than Aaron Rodgers. But I guess, I guess my issue with this guy is, first of all, he's in the Chicago media, which that makes, that, that screams bias all the way. Like, for God's sakes, the dude has, like, a, a, a Cubs hat on his Twitter profile. So, th th that doesn't seem like he's keeping it real there in terms of the bias. And we know the thing with the Packers and the Bears. But then to say, you know, I don't think he's a very good guy, and I don't think somebody who's not a very good guy should be league MVP. To me, Ben, that's bull. That's not the point of these awards. It's not. And, and I have, I, I'm fine if he says... I think Tom Brady or Joe Burrow, even though I think that's crazy and if it's something, I think Aaron Rodgers is clearly the MVP, but he says, based on what I saw on the field, they should be MVP. Or Jonathan Taylor. 
I'm fine, or TJ Watt, if somebody wants to say TJ Watt, I'm fine with that. But don't say because he's not vaccinated, because you didn't like the drama that happened in the offseason. This is one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players in all of football. You can't say he's not valuable to his team. That's me, that's crazy to say. Well, I think you would come, out, come from a, an angle on this where you could say, um, has his behavior possibly been detrimental to the culture of the locker room? Well, I mean, I guess what I would say is, from all from all of our accounts, Devontae Adams and these guys love him. I haven't heard any of his teammates come out and call him out. Uh, I've never heard Matt LaFleur say anything bad about him. They have the best record in the NFC, despite having one of the lesser talented teams in the NFC. We, we clearly saw how they look when he played, when Jordan Love was in there, to when he was in there. He plays an efficient brand of football. I don't understand how we can say he's not. What detrimental impact is he having? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's subjective to some degree. And I think, you know, Daryl, honestly, MVP is a little bit subjective, you know? I mean, I do think there's a case to be made for some other guys besides just Aaron Rodgers. You know, now I think it's all just about how you look at it, too. You know, I mean, nobody expected the Bengals to be this good so fast. Joe Burrow came back from injury and took a... Um, a traditionally um, failing organization to an AFC North title and a playoff berth in his second year, which is pretty impressive. And I think most people would argue Joe Burrow has had a, um, a greater uphill climb uh, than Aaron Rodgers in order to make that happen. So uh, is it possible Joe Burrow is more valuable to his team than Aaron is to his? Maybe. You know, or Jonathan Taylor... Um, with a big year he's had, or Cooper Cup, T.J. Watt, you know, I mean. Um, but I'm just saying the reason can't be because you think he's a bad guy. That's what he said. That's my issue. Well, I think he's, I think he's just doing it for entertainment purposes, you know. And, and, I mean, Aaron has to understand, you know. I mean, with the, with the things he says, there's, there's, there's going to be a little bit of this coming back his way, you know. I mean, you go to Soldier Field and you're yelling at the crowd, about how you 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 own them, uh, Chicago is not going to like you very much. But Ben, these voters are supposed to be non-biased. I, I guess maybe we shouldn't expect that, but that's what they should be. Yeah, I mean, there's still people at the end of the day, um, but you know, I, I I would say this. I think I think whatever your criteria is for MVP, you ought to stick with it, uh, and. and you ought to go by it, you know, and, and even if the guy is a, a person that you don't particularly like, I mean, you still should be objective enough to uh, to vote for them if, um, you know, if, if they kind of finish first according to your, your criteria. So, Jim Harbaugh reportedly could leave Michigan to go to the Raiders. If that happened, how would you like that? I know your guy John Gruden's out, but if Harbaugh came in to replace Chucky, how would you feel about that, Ben? I'd feel good about it, Daryl. I think it'd be interesting, first of all. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh's a perfect fit for the Las Vegas Raiders, if I'm going to be honest with you. A guy that's a little bit odd, a guy that has been known to have some sideline meltdowns, uh... You know, and, and he goes to an organization that kind of has that uh, bad boy reputation in the NFL. I think it's a perfect marriage. Um, and, and I think Jim would be able to do some really good stuff uh, with, with Las Vegas as well. Um, I think he could work really well with Derek Carr. Um, and I, I do think he could help to unlock some of the potential of this team and probably help them out on both sides of the ball. I mean, Jim Harbaugh knows football, Daryl. He's very successful when he is in the NFL. I think he won almost 70% of his games. Three straight NFC Championship games. Yeah, he went to three straight. You know, he's no, he's no joke. I mean, he, he, he knows his stuff. And I know there's been a lot of talk with the transfer portal and college football and how that's changing everything. Not all the coaches are going to be interested in staying in college with with, um, with some of the, the new things that have been happening, including that transfer portal. 
So I definitely think there's an opportunity for Jim, and I'd say, you know, if he wants to go to the NFL again, I I believe he would be a top candidate. Big Ben Roethlisberger played his last game at Heinz Field last Monday for Monday Night Football. What are you going to remember about Big Ben? The other Big Ben. You know, I think I'm going to remember him for his toughness more than anything else. You know, just a big physical guy, throw the football, cannon arm. Um, kind of rough around the edges, you know. I, that's the Ben Roethlisberger I'm going to remember. And, uh, obvi- obviously, he's had some postseason success. He's won two Super Bowls. He went to a third. Um, so, a lot of respect on my end of things for Ben Roethlisberger. I definitely think he's top uh, 20 quarterback all time. He's heading to Canton. Um, all of those things. And it was it was nice to see him win one final game in front of the home crowd on Monday night. Do you think he has an argument to be the best Steelers quarterback ever? Probably not. I mean, I, I think it's going to be very hard. In, 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 in the eyes of Steeler Brass to put him ahead of uh, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, that would be the guy. And that's like one of the Blue Blood franchises in the NFL. And he's going to spend his whole career with Pittsburgh. Yeah. And just because maybe you still don't finish ahead of Terry Bradshaw doesn't, doesn't mean you're a bad quarterback. You know Terry's in, in, in the Hall of Fame as well. Um still a, um, a face that we see frequently um, in the NFL. He's doing a lot of stuff uh, with the media these days. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's hard because Bradshaw led the Steelers to uh, four Super Bowls. Four Super Bowl victories. Ben, if you play in the NFL, do you think your play style would fit Big Ben's? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to take the shots that he takes. You don't think so? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't think I don't think I could uh, air the ball out like him. I'd probably be more of like a West Coast offense kind of guy. Eight yard <laughs> passes behind a really good offensive line sounds good to me. So you're not trying to take a bunch of hits and stand in there. And that is also one of the things that you will remember about Big Ben. Test tough as they come. As tough as they come. Pittsburgh blue collar tough. Oh, what were you saying? I said he was not not shying away from contact, no. Harold. Holding on to the ball, extending plays, bouncing off a defensive lineman. Play, probably played through dozens of injuries that we don't even know about. As tough as they come. Just built Steelers stuff. Like, just everything about Pittsburgh Steelers football was kind of what Big Ben emphasized. And it was a guy who came in right away into this league and won. He won a Super Bowl in his second year. Which is hard to do as a young QB. It's very hard to do. How Jerome Bennis get his first run? They got another one. You remember that against Arizona and Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden and all those guys. And could have had a chance for three against Aaron Rodgers, and that happened nearly a decade ago. But great career. Uh, one of the, especially this decade, the top five quarterback of this decade, this era of QBs for sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then kind of next after the break on Barber Chat Sports Talk, we are going to dive into the last week of NFL predictions. Kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Brother Podcast. And now it's time for our last week, the final week of regular season NFL predictions. Ben, hasn't time flown by? It has. I can't believe we're already on the last week of the regular season. Now, Ben, there were a couple of weeks where we couldn't do predictions because of a little computer malfunction. So, we missed two weeks. 
I think last time I tallied the score, I don't think I tallied last week's yet. I was up by like five picks. Just so you can keep that in mind. Just so you can keep that in mind. So, first, we can start with the Saturday games. Kansas City at Denver. Who you got, Ben? I'm going Kansas City here, Daryl. I don't think Denver's offense can keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this one by a count of 30-17. to 17. I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. Denver's offense is just atrocious. Uh, and Kansas City's defense has been coming along, even though they didn't look good against the Bengals with Joe Burrow and the Jamar Chase air show. But Denver doesn't have that type of offensive firepower, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. I'm going to say the Chiefs 28 to Denver's 14. Next, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. Both these teams have clinched. Playoff bursts. Who you got, Ben? I'm going to go with Philly. Um, I just like them at home, Daryl. Dallas always seems to have trouble with Philly late in the season. I'll go Philly to win an ugly one. Uh, 26-23 over the Cowboys. I'm going to go with Dallas. I just think they're a better team top to bottom, but I do think this is going to be a close, grimy football game. I'm going to say Dallas 21 to Philadelphia, 20. Next, we have the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. Who you got, Ben? The Packers are going to win this one. I think they blow out the Lions. Uh, I'll say Green Bay here, 32. Lions, 14. If Aaron Rodgers does not play, if the Packers call off the dogs, and we see this be a Jordan Love game, would you still go with the Packers? Um... Yeah, I think so. I think the Packers are a better team. But I, I would have the score being much closer. I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to say they win 28 to Detroit's 9. I don't think Detroit's going to have much for Green Bay. Next, we're going to have the Indianapolis Colts at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a must-win game for the Colts to clinch a playoff berth. Who you got? Oh, I'm going to go with the Colts here. I mean, what a great opportunity for them. A must-win game, and you're playing Jacksonville. Uh, Colts, gonna, Colts are going to come out and put it on these guys. I think Indianapolis wins 37-17 over the Jaguars. Hey, remember, Ben, Jacksonville's lone win last year was against the Colts. First game of the season. <laughs> Times are different. So I'm going to go with the Colts as well. Uh, they should dominate the Jaguars. We were talking about the soft air. Trevor Lawrence, it's, it's not looking very good. This team has mailed it in since Urban Meyer's been gone. Uh, just hope for next year, Jags fans. That's all I got to say. Colts 35 to Jacksonville 7. Next, we have the Washington football team at the New York football Giants. Who you got? I'm going to go with the Washington football team. I picked the Giants last weekend, and they, they didn't really have anything for me. So, um I think Washington, I think their defensive line is, is going to be able to give New York some problems. Uh, so I'll say Washington here, um, Washington 24, New York 20. I'm going to go with the Washington football team. And I'm going to say they went 22-17. I just don't like the Giants offense. Hasn't been very good. Jason Garrett's gone. Daniel Jones is being shut down. Um, I think Tyneke and company are going to get it done. Next, we have the Chicago Bears at the Minnesota Vikings. Did you, by the way, did you hear what Mike Zimmer said about getting a look at Kellen Mond? No, what did he have to say about They asked that? him, do you want to get to see your young quarterback play? Because obviously they're eliminated from the playoffs. And Mike Zimmer says, I watch him every day. I don't need to see anymore. That's not a ringing endorsement, isn't that? No, that doesn't sound good at all. I, I think he's been a little bit too hard on the kid. Well, you know, we haven't seen what he's seen, but I've been watching Kellen Bond play for years, Daryl. And, and I'm a little bit surprised that that's the reaction based on what I've seen, uh, because I think Kellen Bond can play in the NFL, Daryl. 
I don't think he's a starter, but I think he's capable of sticking around as a, as a uh, serviceable backup. He can throw into tight windows. Yes, he with can, and being, he's an athlete. He's an athlete, by the way, too. With that being said, though, I mean, Minnesota's a mess, Daryl. I think Chicago is going to find a way to win this game. Um, I'll go with the Bears here. Uh, I'm going to say 27-24 over the Vikings. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Bears as well. Uh, I'm going to say they win 17-14. to Tough defensive battle, not very good. Uh, they just concerned me when I heard that. I'm like, is my, does Mike Zimmer know he's going to get fired? Like, that was just a little salty. Like, I don't know. It just ominous signs in, in Minnesota, and they obviously got dominated by the Packers, so I'm going with the Bears. Uh, next, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. This is for Tennessee to clinch home field throughout the AFC. Does Tennessee get it done? Yeah, they're going to get this done. This is not going to be a problem for them. Tennessee, 34 Texans 24. I'm going to go with Tennessee 27 to Houston. So I'll say they get 13. Tennessee really controls this game. I think we might see a little bit of Derrick Henry in this game as I believe he started to practice. Next, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. I don't believe the Pittsburgh Steelers have been eliminated yet, so there's still a way where they can make the playoffs. Baltimore has been eliminated. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Baltimore to win this game, Daryl. I just have a feeling like even if they get eliminated, I mean, these guys are rivals. They want to win this game. Both teams want to win very badly. Uh, I favor the Ravens at home. I'll favor them whether Huntley starts. I'll favor whether Lamar starts. I'm going to go Baltimore here, uh, 30, uh, Pittsburgh, 23. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh because they're going to need this win. So I'm going to say Pittsburgh wins. And I think Huntley's going to go. I don't think it's going to be Lamar. Lamar's ankle is still bugging him. I don't even know what's going on with that situation. But I'm going to say Pittsburgh, 17-13. to 13, Tough, grimy, defensive battle. Uh, T.J. Watt's been playing out of his mind. I think he's going to be shooting for the sack record this Sunday, so that's something to watch for as well. Next, we're going to have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. Joe Burrow is like 1-4 against Baker Mayfield, just so everybody knows that. Though, Baker Mayfield might not even be playing in this game, but who you got, Ben? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the Browns, Daryl. You know, Bengals a young team. They've locked up the AFC North. Um, I think the Browns are playing for more this weekend. Uh, so I'll, I will pick them. And the Browns, you know, have had the Bengals number recently. So I, I like the Browns here. I'm going to say 36-30. to 30, They beat the Bengals. Yeah, I think the Bengals are pretty much locked into the three seed, and I think they're a young team. They're just trying to get there. You don't want Joe Burrow to get injured. You don't want Jamar Chase to get injured. And if you saw how they were partying after they beat Kansas City, they had to get the Gat song on. They were smoking cigars. They were having a good old time. I, I, I think maybe uh, this might be a little bit of a mail-in game. And like, let's get ready for the postseason next week for the games that actually really start the matter. So I'm going to say Cleveland beats on them a little bit. 20 to 17, they get it done. We probably don't even see the starters for the full game in this game. That would be my prediction as well. Next, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the LA Rams. San Francisco needs to win this game to clinch a playoff berth, but will they, Ben? Uh, yes, they, they will win the game, Daryl. Um, I've been hard on Kyle Shanahan, but one, one thing that we do know about Coach Shanahan is he's always had Sean McVay's number. Uh, I think the 49ers find a way to get it done. They're playing for a lot more than the Rams are playing for this weekend. San Francisco 28, Los Angeles 26. Actually, I will say this, though. The Rams are playing. I don't think they've clinched the West yet. They have not clinched the West yet. The Rams, because the Cardinals are still out there, I don't think they've clinched the West yet. So if they win this, they clinch the West. Uh, So I will say I think the Rams are playing for that. Uh, this is a tough game. This is a really tough game. Ben, who do you trust in a big game, Matthew Stafford or Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> Let's say, Ben, your life is on the line and you need Matthew Stafford or Kyle Shanahan to get the job done in a big game. Who are you going with? 
I guess I'm going to have to go with Kyle Shanahan because at least he's been to the big games before. Do those do those times he count? He counted when he watched his dad. Did those count too? I'm gonna hope so if my life depends. <laughs> on okay, I'm gonna go with. And also, this is also tough because I don't know who's playing Trey Lance. I'm gonna say if Trey Lance goes, they don't win this. If Jimmy G goes, they're gonna go. But they're gonna win. I'm gonna say that Jimmy G goes, and they find a way to win this. Uh. I just find it hard to believe San Francisco. They're one of the seven best teams in the NFC. They should be in the playoffs. Not the Saints, by the way. The way the Saints offense looks, I don't know how you feel about this, Ben. It'd be a travesty if the Saints made it to the playoffs. San Francisco is the better team. So I'm rooting for San Francisco hard in this because I want the best seven teams to be in it. And I think San Francisco is just a way better team um, than the Saints. I think they'd be a more appealing team to watch. So I'm going to say the... 49ers 20 to the Rams 17. Next, we have the Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here, Daryl. I mean, they just beat the Panthers badly recently. And quite frankly, the Bucs were missing a bunch of people, and they still did it. Uh, so I'll, I'll say Tampa Bay again. Um, and I think they win, even if Tom Brady doesn't play, I'll pick them 26 uh, 20 over the Panthers. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers, and also they went 24 to the Panthers, 21. I think this is going to be a closer game than you think. As of late, the Buccaneers haven't played great, so I think this is going to be a fairly close and competitive football game. Also, division rivals, by the way. Next, we have the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with Seattle here. Seattle always plays well in Glendale. Um... I just get this feeling, Daryl, like this, you know, this uh, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll um, era in Seattle is probably coming to an end on Sunday, but I think they get one last win when they go out. Um, So I'll say Seattle here, uh, 30 to the Cardinals, 24. I'm going to say the Cardinals win, and I'll say they win 27 to Seattle's 21 Next, we have the New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins. Miami's been a house of horrors for Bill Belichick and co. for the last decade or so. Who you got? Uh, Bill's going to find a way to win this one. Uh, Patriots, I think, are going to win fairly easily. I'll say 27-16. to 16. Um, Tua's still a pretty young quarterback, and we know what Belichick can do to those guys. I will say this caveat. Who beat Belichick, though, first game of the season? It was the Dolphins, but I don't think the Dolphins are going to sweep the Patriots. That would be a little asinine to say. So I'm going to say the score is going to be flipped. We're going to say this is going to be a close game, 17 to the Dolphins, 16. Close, tight, contested football game. Next, we have the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Who you got? I'm going to go with Atlanta here. I like the offense more, uh, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, New Orleans... Yeah, it doesn't have much to offer on offense, and I, and I do not think uh, by the time that they play um, that things are going to be looking too good for them as far as the playoff appearance, if well, they win. Well, actually, Ben, Kenny told me one time that uh, watching New Orleans offense, he thinks set football back. <laughs> well, he might be right about that. <laughs> After watching the Seahawks game, he said that game set football back. <laughs> <laughs> Was it, were you thinking the same thing as you were watching that game? It, 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 it was a pretty ugly game. So I, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'll, I'll say the Saints, uh, actually. They need this one. Actually, by the time this game is played... Actually, well, no, because uh, the Rams and the 49ers are going to be playing at 425, the same as this game, so they won't know. But uh, they're going to be playing for their lives. I don't think the Falcons are as much... Uh, Matt Ryan, how much is he going to be into the game? It's been a tough season. It looks like Calvin Ridley is going to be requesting a trade soon. So uh, I'm going to go with the Saints. And also, by the way, they really should have beat the Falcons last time they played. But I'm going to say the Saints win 17-10. Their defense comes up big. Next, we have the New York Jets at my Buffalo Bills. Ben, please tell me for the love of God what I want to hear. Can't do it, Daryl. I think the Jets are going to clip your guys this weekend. They got close against Tampa Bay last weekend. I think they finally um, 
get it done this weekend. Buffalo may rest some guys, too. So I think the Jets are going to steal this one 23-20 on the road. I'm going to go with the Bills. And I'm going to say the Bills win 24 to the Jets, 13. Too big, too fast, too physical. We're just a better team. I don't think the Jets have anything for us. Next, we have... For NBC, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, Sunday Night Football, Carrie Underwood's going to sing the L.A. Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. If the Chargers win this, I believe they will clinch a playoff berth. The Colts and the Chargers are the two teams who I believe are at the 6th and 7th spot. If they both win, they are in. If they don't, I think that leaves the door open for a team like Pittsburgh to possibly creep in. So, this is a big-time game. You've had a lot of criticisms of a guy like Justin Herbert. This is a postseason game. This is a postseason game than in the regular season. And also for the Raiders, by the way. If the Raiders win this, they're in. So for both these teams, who you got? Well, I'm going to go with the Chargers because I think they just have more talent on their roster top to bottom. Oh, Ben picked Justin Herbert for a big-time game. Eureka! I'll go uh, Chargers, I'm going to say 33, Raiders 27. I'm going to go Chargers, and I'm going to say this is going to be a shootout. I'm going to say Chargers 42 to the Raiders 38. I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, And that's all we have for the last week of NFL predictions. And kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Ben are going to talk some college football. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Ben and Karen with us. So, Ben. Oklahoma quarterback, former Oklahoma quarterback, by the way, Caleb Williams, is in the transfer portal. Uh, now, he said he'd possibly look at to remain at OU, but I don't think it's going to be there, given that they have a new quarterback coming in. First of all, how shocked are you that he's in the portal? And then secondly, what do you think he'll land? Well, um, I'm probably shocked. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably be at about a 6. Because, it, you know, in my mind, Daryl, the job is kind of his to lose at this point in time. All right? It's a, it's a big opportunity when you get to be the, the quarterback um, in a place like the University of Oklahoma. Now, the reason why I'm not a 10 is because of the coaching change that happened. We know Lincoln Riley now went to USC, um, and Lincoln is an offensive mind, an innovator of offense. And, you know, now now Oklahoma is leaning more in the defensive direction uh, with Brett Venables coming in. Uh, so I can certainly see how a quarterback would not be excited to play for Coach Venable. As far as where he lands, I think there's a number of possibilities on the board for him. I'm going to just take a shot in the dark here. I think he might be heading to the Big Ten, Daryl. I I like him as a possibility in Michigan. I also like him as maybe a quarterback in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's moving to the Big 12, too. Interesting. And Desmond Ritter's going. That's actually both interesting. Huh. Michigan or Cincinnati? I mean, those playoff teams. If he goes to both those teams, are both those teams immediately in playoff contention again? No. <laughs> no, I mean, things are, things still have to happen a certain way, but I think that there's um, a high ceiling for them still. I mean, I like the way he's played most of this season. So you don't think Caleb Williams is that type of guy where it's like automatic? Like, do you think he's a can be a Heisman candidate next year? Would you be shocked if he was in New York City for the Heisman next year? Yeah, I would be shocked right now. I don't, I don't necessarily see him on that level, and we have to 
remember, too, we got some guys that are coming back. C.J. Shroud, for instance, is coming back. Bryce Young's coming back, too. Yeah. So, we have a couple guys that were in the hunt this year that are going to be back. I mean, heck, Spencer Rattler was the Heisman favorite <laughs> last year, at the beginning of this year. So, uh, next, let's go to this. Dylan Gabriel's the guy who's going to be at Oklahoma. He's transferring. What do you make of that? How do you like that move to Oklahoma? Well, I don't know him uh, super well. Um, I think it's going to be an okay fit. I mean, obviously, like I said, anytime you get to you get to be in consideration, even to be a quarterback in a place like the University of Oklahoma, I think you're setting yourself up in a very good spot. Um, going to be a lot of uh, coverage, you know, national media coverage and stuff like that. Um, if you play well, you know, you're probably going to get drafted pretty high. And the other transfer QB, Zach Calzada. He's going to be staying in the SEC. He's going to be an Auburn Tiger. What did you think of that, Ben? I don't really know what to think about that. Um, I'm not even sure he's going to be able to start for Auburn. I don't even really understand why he moved on from A&M to begin with. But I don't think Auburn's going to solve his problem, whatever it is, uh, because I think he's moving from a situation that's better to a situation that's worse. Why do you think Auburn's worse? Well, right now with uh, with where their program is at, I mean, I would probably say I, I think Auburn this year, uh, just on eye test alone, is probably the worst team in the SEC West. We just saw them lose a bowl game to the University of Houston, Daryl. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, what's that? What's happening in Auburn where people are showing up next year for the games, thinking things are going to be better? I mean, what what reason would there be for that hope? And he's going to have to compete with T.J. Fenley for the job. Yeah, but I guess the the job wasn't guaranteed to him at A and M either. Maybe he feels like there's less competition, so there's a better opportunity here. Do you think he does beat out T.J. Finley? I'm actually going to say no, because I'm still... I would just have a hard time seeing him do it. I think Finley is a little bit better than him. But I guess we'll find out. That's part of the fun. So now this. Nick Saban has said he's not sure if college football expansion would lead to more competitive games. and He doesn't think it's necessarily best for the game. Are you still of that same mindset, Ben? Uh, 100% I'm of the same mindset. I don't think the uh, four-game four or four-team playoff has been better for college football, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, we saw the games this weekend, and... Neither uh, semifinal game was competitive. So, you know, what? what's... Other, other than the money that's being earned, there's really no reason why we shouldn't be going back to the BCS. I will bet. I had no problem with the BCS. How did you feel about the BCS? I think most years it was good. I think every once in a while, um, somebody could make an argument, you know, for some other team whether it be like a Boise State or a, uh, Oklahoma State one year. Uh, but, but by and large, I like the BCS, Daryl. I mean, so did I. I didn't, and, and, and this goes into the next thing. The bowl games meant more under the BCS. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that as well. Like, Ben, bowl games mean nothing anymore. And this is what Kirk Herbstreit was talking about. He got raked through the coals. And I did an outside the shop on this, but... People don't care about bowl games anymore, right? Like, you, because when you talk about bowl games, you think that's an honor for your school. Like, I can tell, Ben, you hold bowl games in a high regard. I don't think it's held in that regard anymore. Well, I, I think with the expansion of the playoffs, you know, um, most of these teams are just like, well, if I didn't make it into the playoff, you know, what is there really left for me? You know, okay, maybe I can play in a New Year's Six Bowl. But again, only a limited amount of teams are going to play on New Year's or New Year's Eve, and 
you know, after that, there's really nothing. So I 100% understand that frustration that they have. But I think people think that expanding the playoffs would help solve that issue. Like, if we make it 16 teams, that means there's going to be less opt-outs. And there may be less opt-outs, Daryl, but as far as the product um, that ends up on TV, I don't think it's going to be better. Uh, because if we, if we go to the playoff expansion, they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to have the Pac-12 champion and, and the American champion and the Big 12 champion. You know, that, that to me seems a little bit useless. I think if you're going to expand it to eight, then you need to take the highest ranked eight teams regardless of who they are. So basically just the top eight. <laughs> right. Not any at-large bets. Precisely, yeah. You're either in the top eight or you're not. You know, it could be three SEC teams. It could be four Big Ten teams. Uh, whatever the case is. It could, it could be... You know, Cincinnati, uh, whoever's in the top eight. Right, I mean, as much as I would dislike that, you know, it could be maybe even a couple teams that aren't even in the power five. Because, I mean, even though, I mean, under that example, I believe Cincinnati finished top eight at the end of the regular season last year, right? Yeah, well, I wasn't even denying that they should have been top eight last year. So, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, so I don't think the group of five could be playing too much because if you're a really good group of five team, you'll probably find yourself in the top eight. So I, I think that would solve that a little bit. I mean, I don't... I, I think... And we've talked about this ad nauseum. I don't want to labor it too much. But I think the issue is these conference commissioners have so much power. They they want every... If they want expansion, like if the Pac-12 wants expansion, the Pac-12 wants an N. Because it does no... Because it's all about how does this benefit me. What does it do for the Pac-12 for them to agree to this and them not get a at-large bid? It does nothing for them. Well, it makes them look worse, I think, has a negative impact on them. You do. Why do you think it makes them look worse? Well, because they say, okay, now we'll take the top eight teams, and then you can't even put a team in the top eight in your Power Five conference. That's kind of embarrassing. Well, I've already told you, they're barely, barely a Power Five conference. Uh, Stetson Bennett just said that it's not my job to be the savior for Georgia in terms of winning the college football game. Do you think there's been too much pressure put on Stetson Bennett? No, I I don't. I mean, when you think about the Georgia Bulldogs right now, Stetson Bennett's not what you think about. You think about power running game and defense. In fact, I would would agree with Stetson Bennett, Daryl, to be honest with you. I think if Stetson Bennett is able to make a few throws throughout the game when he needs to, do just enough to keep Georgia's offense balanced, and let the defense and running game do the majority of the work, then I think he's given his team the best opportunity to win. Nice. I would agree with you with that as well. So let's do this. So let's talk New Year's Six Bowl viewership, and I'm going to do a guessing game with Ben. So we're going to have the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Peach Bowl, okay? All the classic bowls, okay, Ben? All right. I want you to guess out of all those bowls, what's got the highest viewership? <coughs> oh, man. Um, if I had to, I'm going to say the Fiesta Bowl. No, you're wrong. Really? Um, what about the Sugar Bowl? Wrong. Rose Bowl. Wrong. Um, Cotton Bowl. Wrong. <laughs> orange Bowl. Yes, the Orange Bowl. That was Michigan versus Georgia. Wow. Does that, and I'll give you, that rating was a 17.2. So 17.2 million people were watching that game. I guess that makes sense, though. You know, New Year's Eve parties... Uh, game is on. Yeah, I could see that. So the next highest bowl was were two bowls. They both got a sixteen point six. You want to guess what those two bowls were? Well, I think the I think the Fiesta Bowl has to be one of them. You're wrong. The festival was not. 
Man, um, the Cotton Bowl? Yes, the Cotton Bowl's in there. Uh, Alright, I need one other one, so I'm going to say the Sugar Bowl. No, the Rose Bowl. Wow, okay. The Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. Then after that, there's a big gap. So this next one, so we're talking about the Rose Bowl, and, so I just want to put this in perspective. The Orange Bowl had 17.2 million people. The Rose Bowl and Cotton Bowl had 16.6 million people. This next bowl game had 9.8 million people. So that's a big gap, Ben. Was it the Sugar Bowl? Yes. Okay. And then the next one was the Fiesta at 8 million. And then after that, it was the Peach Bowl at 7.6. People didn't care about the Peach Bowl, I guess. So what shocks you about this? Well, I think the the thing that I'm taking away from this more than anything else is if the game is on at night, people are going to watch it. Yeah. And I mean, also it makes sense. Like New Year's Eve, people are going to have a bunch of TVs on. Or even on New Year's, you know? Yeah. Like, I, well, I went out and did something during the day on New Year's, but I was home at night and I was watching the Sugar Bowl. That That is... Very, very fair. Uh, and also, I mean, people watch the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl wasn't even competitive. <laughs> well, I think, I, I would say the reason why I think it's so popular was going into it, and I was one of these people, too, that kind of got suckered into this. Don't feel bad if you're out there and you're listening. Uh, and you also felt this way. But, you know, I thought that the Orange Bowl, Daryl, was going was gonna to be close. I, I, I said that last week on the show, and I was wrong about that because... Georgia was clearly the better team, but I think a lot of people probably felt, hey, uh, you know, Alabama will probably beat Cincinnati. You know, I, I thought they'd win by 40. Um, but Georgia and Michigan, I thought, would be close. So what shocked you more? Let's go to this. What shocked you more? How close Cincinnati was able to keep it or how bad Georgia beat up on Michigan? Uh, oh, it would definitely be Georgia beating up on Michigan. Because everybody knew Cincinnati was going to get rolled, and that's what happened. Cincinnati didn't keep it close, all right? Like, let's not joke our joke here. I mean, they still lost by 21 points. Um, but everybody expected that would happen. Uh, not everybody expected that Georgia was going to beat um, Michigan by such a wide margin. Who do you got in the national championship game? Alabama or Georgia? Can Kirby um, get over the Nick Saban hump? You know, I'm going to go with the Tide. Here's my thing about this, Ben. Could I not make the argument? Georgia's been the better team all year for most of the year. They've already seen Alabama once. They just dominated a very good... Like, I think you would agree. It's more impressive what Georgia did to Michigan than what Alabama did to Cincinnati. Well, I don't know. Cincinnati was the undefeated team. (laughs) That is true. Isn't that something? I can't even make a case for him, Daryl. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even believe that, Ben. But look, I mean, I, Nick Saban, Daryl, is is a better coach, I think. Um, and that's not a knock on Kirby Smart. You know, Kirby's a good coach as well. Top five coach good. in the country, I'd say. A what? Top five in the country. Yeah, possibly. I mean... You know, Georgia is definitely dangerous in this game, especially because they've seen Alabama before. Um, Will the defense be better? I think the defense is going to be better. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter of a game, uh, but I still think Alabama figures out a way to win. Will this game be a game for the fans? Uh, It's definitely going to be a game for the fans. I mean, everybody wants to write it off if they're not a fan of the SEC, but it's going to be a very good football game. How disappointed was Michigan and Georgia for you? Did you feel cheated? I I did a little bit, you know. I mean, I had all my snacks. I was ready to go. I was like, this is going to be a good game. Uh, You know, and, and basically right away, too. I mean, Georgia pulled out early with a big lead and never looked back. You know, this is pretty much done by at halftime. I think it was like 24 to 6 or something like that. Uh, so, uh, really, what, 24 to 3, something like that. So, it wasn't even close at halftime. Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Daryl. Always good to be here. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen, host of Sports Call the Podcast, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you. 
for tuning into this episode. The 376th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.